purple. A lot of people say they're black. They're not. The Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, purple, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as crimson, purple, they shall be as wool. How does the red blood of a Savior wash away the crimson sin of a sinner and make it the whiteness of God, the whiteness of heaven, the whiteness of favor, and all those things that God has for us? There was something special about the blood of Jesus. John the Baptist baptizes his cousin, hears a voice from heaven, sees the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, hears the voice of God. And when John saw his cousin a little later in the day, he made the statement, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. That generation, when they had sinned, it was important for them to go to a special place that raised special animals. These animals were without spot, without blemish. These animals were bred to be as near perfect as possible. And when a man sinned, it was his responsibility to go and to select an animal. That animal was selected. That animal was then taken to the high priest. The high priest never examined the man, never questioned the man, never wondered why the man was there. But the high priest examined the lamb. And if the lamb was worthy, if the lamb was without spot or blemish, the high priest carried the lamb over to the altar took a knife and cut the throat of that lamb. And when the blood, that innocent blood of that lamb hit that rock of the altar, that man standing there, whatever his sin was, was automatically forgiven. Whether he'd been there one time or a thousand times, it didn't matter. That's the blood that will never lose its power. When Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus went to Calvary, something phenomenal took place. May I tell you today, that when I mess up and when I drop the ball and when I go to God, God does not question me. Are you a member of the Baptist church? God does not question me. Did you pay tithe last Sunday? God did not question me. Is your grandmother a prayer warrior? God doesn't ask any of those questions. God simply says, on whose authority do you stand before my presence? On what premise do you come before my throne? And do you know what I say? I say, God, behold the Lamb. And if the lamb is worthy, if the lamb is without spot or blemish, then I am forgiven. I'm received in the presence of God with all the blessings and favor of heaven because of the lamb. I'm here to tell you today the lamb is worthy. The lamb is without spot and without blemish. The word says, wherefore, seeing we're cast, com compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and let us run the race with patience. And aren't you glad that it is the blood that gives us patience to do and to complete and be what God has called us to be. In another conversation with the surgeon, we were in his office, and his wall was lined with all the medical uh, journals and all of the, and uh, being a people person, I immediately, um, we immediately struck up a conversation, and uh, I just began to kind of brag on him for his extra. Being a surgeon, he went three years extra uh, to be able to perform open-heart surgery, Actually, when she weighed about 10 pounds, they took her little heart out of her body, cut it, took a piece from the heart, and created a, like a straw, a third valve, and uh, her heart was about the size of a walnut, and that was the ability that he had, and I began to brag on him, and he said, uh, you know, I appreciate all that, he said, but let me tell you, he said, there are only 39 diseases of the world, and we usually determine what's wrong with the person by taking a blood sample. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What would you say? He said, there's only 39 major diseases of the world. And I, I said, doctor, I got to preach a little bit. 
Did you ever ponder why Jesus took 39 stripes upon his back? Every stripe was for a healing. No matter what the enemy tries to bring upon you, because that's what he does, no matter what he tries to attack you with, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Do we have a friend in the house today? With his stripes, we are healed. They, it was the custom of Yom Kippur, one day a year, called the Day of Atonement. It was a day that the priest went beyond the veil into the presence of God, and the priest had to go beyond the veil with the presence of blood. It was, the, it was the habit, it was the format of the family to go two or three months earlier, and they purchased a lamb. They named the lamb. They gave the lamb a name. And that lamb stayed with them for three or four months. They all became attached to the lamb. They loved the lamb. The lamb was their little pet. On the day of, of Yom Kippur, the dad would take a piece of papyrus or a piece of leather and dad would write the family name on that piece of papyrus, and then he would tie that, that name around the neck of that lamb. And when dad carried that lamb to the priest, the name represented all the family members, all the sins of the past, all the sins of the present, all the sins of the future. And because that family name, that lamb was taken to the altar, the blood was shed, and all the sins of the year were immediately eradicated, immediately forgiven, and it was it was made brand new as if it had never happened. At Calvary, Pilate said, write these words, Y-H-W-H, which is the tetragrammaton, the mystical name of God. For years, many could not even pronounce the name. It was so holy. And when they wrote the name Y-H-W-H, they literally wrote the name of God, and it was attached to the cross of Christ. And when the Pharisees saw it, they became very angry. They became very upset. And Pilate, not even knowing what he was doing, he said, what I have written, I have written. He let it be because the name of God was attached to the cross of Christ. It meant that every single sin of mankind, sins of the past, sins of the present, sins of the future, the sins of your grandparents, the sins of you, the sins of your children, automatically were paid for when his name was nailed to the cross. And aren't you glad this morning what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Several years ago, our nation in the early 60s uh, got invaded from England, and all kind of types started coming over. We had Paul Revere and the Raiders, we had the Beatles, we had the Rolling Stones, and there was a group that came from England called the Monkeys. How many remember the Monkeys? Hey, hey, we're the Monkeys. People say we monkey around. We're too busy singing to run anybody down. Their famous song, Anybody. Then I saw her face. Now, I'm a, everybody remembers the monkeys. Well, let me tell you about Mike Nesbitt. Mike Nesbitt was the monkey that wore the, the beanie. You remember Mike? Mike's mom came to America with the monkeys and created a product called liquid paper. And thank God for liquid paper that when I aired on my $29 Smith & Corona typewriter that had no spell check, it had no correcto rimen. When I messed up, I didn't have to throw that page away. I just took that liquid paper and I covered it up and then I 
breathed on it, the same ingredients in the Garden of Eden. I, I breathed on it, and all of a sudden, I was allowed to do over. I was allowed to do it again, just as if it had never happened. Don't you thank God for the liquid paper of the blood of Jesus Christ that allows us to do it over just as if we had never failed, just as if we had never attempted a brand new day, a brand new opportunity, a brand new window. Don't you thank God for second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. There was actually a season of almost four years that uh, when I traveled before I preached, I sang. I know that's hard for many of you to believe. I actually played the piano. And I remember one of my favorite songs that I always did in the revival. It was a song that says, it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. The second verse says, it soothes my doubts, it calms my fears, and it dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. The artist that wrote that song traveled the nation singing about the blood of Jesus, wrote several other bestsellers, was an incredible author, a credible musician, an incredible man of God. And later in life, in his ministry, he woke up one day to find something desperately wrong with his throat couldn't talk like Miss Shaley. It just kept bothering. Finally went to the doctor. The doctor did an examination and said, I've got some bad news. Your, your throat has been damaged beyond repair. You'll never sing another note. That musician went home, and he had a room in the house that had a piano where he wrote his songs, where he did his devotions, and he went in that room and shut the door. He said when he shut the door, it became very dark, became very dismal, very, very, very frightening. I believe every lieutenant from hell was there trying to discourage him. Say, that's what you get for singing for God. You'll never sing a note. Your God has abandoned you. Anybody ever felt those words? Anybody ever felt like that intimidating presence? And he went over the piano and played a chord on the piano. It was actually a B-flat for you musicians in the building. Played a chord on the piano, and in a voice barely above a whisper, he felt impressed to sing these words for the very first time. How can I say thanks for all the things you've done for me, things so undeserved yet you give your love to prove to me? The voices of a million angels cannot express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. By the time he got to the words, to God be the glory, with his power he has raised me, with his blood he has saved me, to God be the glory. By the time he got to that part in the song, Steve, his voice was healed instantly, and he began to sing. And for 20 years, he continued to travel. And just a few months ago, Andre Crouch went to be with the Lord. And I promise you today, he's singing a new song. He is healed forever. Aren't you glad for the blood that will never lose its power? I remember several, several years ago, Marcus Lamb sharing a story of someone that he knew. It was a high school student that was raised in the church of God all of his life, loved the Lord, served God, graduated, went to a very secular university, was being taught this, the theory of evolution, being taught all the, all the things of the world, all the secular things of the world. And as he went second year of college, he got very discouraged, he got very frustrated and began to doubt his relationship with God, began to doubt everything he had learned as a child. One afternoon, the school brought in a special professor, an agnostic atheist, 
and that professor stood before that college crowd that day and made the statement, there are some of you in this crowd that you have uh, put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you there's no more power in the blood of Jesus Christ than there is in that water in the drinking fountain outside in the hall. That young student, before he knew what he was doing, he was standing at his feet, on his feet, and he was singing at the top of his lungs, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Brother David, by the time he got to the chorus, lose all their guilty stains. Dozens of college students were standing, singing with him. They sang so loud and so long, that agnostic professor shut his book, shut his nose, and walked away from that podium. I'm here to tell you this morning, the blood of Jesus can cause an alcoholic to drink Dr. Pepper. The blood of Jesus can cause a liar to tell the truth. The blood of Jesus can, can, can take someone that's broken and wounded. And right now, I take authority over the negative word that my mom received yesterday that the cancer is back and chemo can't help. I take authority over that cancer, and I tell that cancer that there is still a fountain filled with blood. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still a healing in the name of Jesus. And I command her body to come in line with the word of God. I apply the blood to her life, to her spirit, that in Jesus' name, by the power of the blood, she is healed. This morning, I want to take just a moment. If you're here this morning and you're in any area of your life, there's a sickness or a frustration or a hurt or a wound, a negative report, a bad report from a doctor about medicine, about things that are messed up. If you're here this morning, the sound of my voice, and that is happening, I just want you to lift your hand. All of this house, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every hand. There's sickness, there's hurt, there's wounds. Those are all facts. Facts change. The truth is that there's still a fountain. There's still a favor. There's still a blessing. The stripes are still applied. And this morning, I ask you corporately, collectively, and individually to touch every single person within the sound of my voice to bring healing. Allow those eardrums to open. Allow that vision to correct. Allow that, that sugar diabetes to be gone. Allow those broken limbs that cause pain. Let them be eliminated. Every single negative in this room, I apply the blood and I cover it and I write, you are healed in, in the blood of Jesus. I write that in their heart and spirit in Jesus' name. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. If I could paint you a picture, that picture would be that God is in heaven as the eternal judge. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father as the eternal lawyer. And Satan tries to find God as the eternal accuser. Today, Satan has gone to God with evidence against you. Satan has taken pages from your diary. Satan has taken moments from your life. Satan has taken events in your childhood, in your adulthood. And today, Satan has evidence and he's pre presenting it to God to try to disqualify you, to try to wound you, to try to hurt you, to try to beat you up. But before the enemy can give the evidence to God, he has to give it to my lawyer. It's not Johnny Cochran, it's not E.F. Hutton, but I could not afford a lawyer that is, that is powerful enough to stand before God and defend me against the devil. Because I could not afford one, one has been appointed me, and my lawyer's name is Jesus Christ. And when the devil reluctantly hands the evidence against me, against you, to my 
my lawyer. My lawyer simply takes those things that were written against us. My lawyer simply takes that, that evidence and he places it on his chest and he folds his arms and he gives it back to the devil. The devil gives it to God and God looks at the devil and said, I don't know what you're trying to pull. I don't know what you're trying to do, but all this, all I see on this evidence is blood. All of the evidence is covered with blood, and therefore there are no sins. There's no judgment. Devil, you leave in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you go and do what I've called you to do, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to change lives. As a child, I learned to plead it. As I grew more scripturally correct, I now know that we apply it. I've learned if you plead it, if you apply it, it doesn't matter. It still gets the job done. Aren't you glad this morning for that blood? That will never lose its power. One minute before noon, we have touched on the greatest subject in the entire Bible. We have learned that there is no power like the blood of Jesus, no power like the blood of Jesus. Thank you for coming and being a part. Going to give you a chance to sow a seed in our offering this, this morning. As Gene so, so adaptly put it, uh, there are many times I've been embarrassed by my gift. I remember we went to a conference, a uh, Tommy Barnett conference, and they were taking up an offering, and they were asking for gifts of $1,000. And there were several hundred that responded. Several, several went down. And I, I looked at Ron, and I said, I am so frustrated that I don't have $1,000 to sow into this ministry. And, you know, I've learned through the years it's never been the amount. It's never been the amount. He watched the offering of a wealthy scribe. He watched the offering of the widow. He commented not on the on the wealthy Pharisee. He commented on the little widow. She's brought all that she's got. I have learned in taking up offerings for 36 years, God does not want all you've got. God does not want your rent, your grocery money, your, your carpet. He doesn't, he doesn't want any of that. He just wants you to make an effort to give a little extra. And if you're embarrassed today that your gift is simply change, if you're gifted, if you're embarrassed today that your gift is simply a dollar, a five dollars, I want to tell you something. God has not given us a spirit of fear, which in the Greek is the word intimidation. Don't you ever be intimidated by sowing a little. Don't you ever be intimidated by feeling, well, this is not really a significant offering. If it's significant to you, hello. And there are times when I cash in my quarters to buy gas. Court, and I have a friend in the building. Change is, change is significant to me. Therefore, it's significant to God. And when you take your change, when you take your offering, I want you to break out of the mold and do something you haven't done. Just, just take a leap of faith. Just take a um, – uh, Gene did not mention uh, yesterday that someone gave him almost $1,000 with the clothes. He didn't mention that blessing either. But you cannot outgive God. Someone said, well – I want Gene's blessing. I want, well, God's got your blessing too. He had, he had a blessing for Jacob and a blessing for Esau. And Jacob wanted Esau's blessing, and it wasn't all that great of a blessing. Don't, don't want Gene's blessing. Want your blessing, okay? And if you're going to reap a crop, I was telling Gene yesterday that what you sow, you reap. If you sow apples, you reap apples. If you sow a smile, you reap a smile. If you sow marijuana, you reap marijuana. Those who have been with me, you know the rest of that story. But it's God that, God that orchestrated the seed. And when you get your seed in the ground and it's watered by the word of God, and that means that tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, you remind God, God, I really need a window to open. 
And God, I promise you, you give me more. I'll give more. Have you made that vow to God? If you, if you, Pastor Ron talked about tithing on your check, we tithe on our gross. We just feel like I would rather have God bless my gross than God bless my net. You have a friend in the house. So we tithe on our gross and we open every door for God to bless. And he's so good. He's so faithful. He's so consistent. It's scary. Someone share with me today. They sowed what they thought was all the money they had and looked in their wallet and had a $50 bill. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? You say, well, you shouldn't tell stories like that. Yeah, I want your faith to grow. I want you to, I want you to get jealous. They're, you know, maybe not je- How about zealous? Let's, let's, I want you to be zealous towards your blessing. I want, I want God to open you up a window. But let me tell you something, farmer. If you don't have any seed in the ground, it's real tough to gather a crop. Just a thought, just a possibility. If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand. And uh, Pastor Todd and Brother David will serve you and serve you with an offering. As Pastor Rhonda mentioned, Wednesday night, celebrate recovery. Just a great time of fellowship. Uh, just a great time of, of uh, getting together and, and, and going into the Beatitudes. Powerful, One of the most powerful sermons that he ever preached, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, sow an hour of your life and see what God does the rest of your, the rest of your week. Something powerful about going to church in the middle of the week. Just something, I love the fellowship, I love the camaraderie, and uh, I also want to make you aware, guys, every other Saturday, we have a blast in the kitchen. Uh, it's, not, it's not spiritual, but it, it's weird. The conversations always wind up in the spiritual. We got so deep last week, we were talking about a pre-Adamic race, and, and it was a lot of fun, and I love stuff like that, because that's something really you can't preach or teach, because it is kind of heavy. But uh, one of the, every guy, no guys only, no girls allowed. Unless you come drag, then you can come. But uh, uh, no girls allowed, guys only, every other. So it won't be this Saturday. It will be next Saturday. I, I, I beseech you. I implore you. I encourage you. I beg you. I threaten you. I intimidate you. I manipulate you. You get the point? To vote. 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 I looked um, somewhere on Facebook. They printed how many votes were won just by one vote, just one, like where thousands voted. It was crazy. It was crazy. Does your vote make a difference? Absolutely. I saw someone say, if you don't vote, it doesn't give you the right to gripe. <laughs> Maybe if we vote, it give us the right to brag. Just a thought, just a possibility. Um, at the conclusion of the service, you can bring your seed and plant it in these containers. We take your, your right hand. 